we did a, a lifetime deal just to our existing customers. So we have what we call founder plans. So we basically said, yeah. you can become a founder of Matchmaker. You pay a one, one-time fee. It's going to help us out in terms of like keeping the light switched on. It's going to help us out in terms of developing the product and moving it forward. And, you know, in return, you, you pay a, a fixed amount and you get, you get pro access forever. And users responded yeah. really well to that. We did limit it. We didn't want to have, you know, we wanted it to be sort of relatively exclusive. So I think we had maximum of, it was either two or three hundred uh, founder plans available, and what we did is we had it as a, the first fifty people paid this much, and then we put the price up uh, for every you know. So, so that's another thing to do, and that was really good because that was almost like raising kind of a small sort of seed round. This episode is brought to you by Kitcaster. Kitcaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? podcast interviews how do c-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets podcast interviews kitcaster books you on top podcasts click the link in the show notes for a special offer celebrate good conversation here we go first off welcome back to talking with experts podcast with your host chris camden we are kicking off season two with a 5x founder who has a huge passion for tech audio streaming and podcasting You may know him already if you're a podcaster because you're probably using one of his businesses to host your podcast, launch your podcast, find guests and produce your episodes. I had the pleasure to talk with James Mulvaney from podcast.co, radio.co and matchmaker.fm and I asked him how he is running four different brands simultaneously. From learning about his team and the dynamics of working within a hybrid model, his business model to his monetization strategy and how he's promoting signups and building a community. All my takeaways of this interview are in the show notes down below and the full episode is available to watch on our Talking With Experts podcast YouTube channel. So James, thank you for joining us. Right. So yeah, thanks. firstly, thanks for having me on, Chris. Pleasure to be here. It's been a bit of a while since I've done one of these live streams, so I'm, I'm really excited that we're actually live. So um, yeah, my name is James Mulvaney. Uh, I'm CEO of the companies you just mentioned, which you can see on the screen. Um, Matchmaker is a, a platform that connects podcasters and guests. Uh, podcast.co, we are a full service podcasting agency. So we create podcasts for a lot of companies. And we also uh, have a podcast hosting platform, distribution platform as well. And radio.co is a suite of tools for broadcasters to help them run and manage radio stations. So very much um, got my... my uh, my teeth firmly into the audio and streaming world. And that really sort of comes from when I was I was young. I, w- I wanted to go into re- radio as a DJ. Um, uh, and, it, and I was also interested in, in the internet and, and kind of building web technology and all that kind of stuff. So so I kind of ended up fusing the two together. And hence, I've been I've been around the block, of, as you mentioned a few times, in terms <laughs> of like running various different internet companies and startups. So I had some great successes, some not so great successes and some failures. And uh, yeah, it's been, been, been an interesting sort of like 15 years I've been doing this now. <laughs> yeah, and I remember listening to one uh, an interview bef- way before when we were going to have our, our first one, but rescheduled. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned that you haven't really had a, a, a job. You haven't worked for anybody else. You've only <laughs> really worked for yourself. And that, that's how have you found it working for yourself and not for anybody else? I think in a, in a sense, it's sort of... Um, it's given me a benefit. I've had to over the last ten years since I, because like when I launched, I probably first five years was just me on my own. You know, I didn't have any 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 colleagues, any staff who were working with me. So it was just, you know, I was I was an entrepreneur, and and really those first five years, like I started the business just before I went to university. I then went off to university, did a degree. Um, so obviously, I was kind of doing all the new normal student things and kind of going out and having fun and trying to balance that with with uni, and then also trying to balance that with running a, a, a business or st- a startup. So it was a lot on my plate back then. And yeah, when I sort of started hiring, I kind of had to like learn everything in reverse because quite a lot of people will go out and work in industry for five, 10 years, and then they'll get bored of it and think, right, I'm going to do this on my own and, and go out there. 
I think that is in itself kind of gives you a uh, there's some there's some negatives to that because obviously once you know people get to like the late twenties or early thirties and think I'm going to start a business, you've got a lot what often have a lot more responsibilities. You might have you know mm-hmm. uh, mortgage payments to make or you might have family etc. So when you're that age, you know, when I was started out 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, that kind of age, you know, you've really got nothing to lose. So, uh, but everything to gain. So it was kind of, it was a really interesting period in my life. Uh, no regrets there. I think it was certainly a lot to balance trying to, you know, be a student and actually complete my degree, which I managed to do miraculously and managed to drag myself through final year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of think as a result, when I started hiring, because I'd never had a job, I sort of learned how to kind of um, manage, motivate team, and deal with all everything that comes with having staff uh, and, and a team working with you kind of, that was all kind of very new to me at the beginning. So you kind of, let, you know, I've sort of picked it up as I go along. I like to think now I kind of know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> we've got, we've got, I'm very, very lucky to have a really, really talented team around me. Um, and, you know, running three three different brands simultaneously is, is quite a lot. There's quite a lot of involvement in that, um, both from sort of like a managerial perspective but also development you know and customer support all that stuff so you've got to make sure that you've got um, adequate resources on each product um to, to kind of keep everything moving forward but yeah really really lucky to work with with a great bunch of people now so so from not having a team to now having an, a team of what is it like 30 people yeah there, we're up to about 30 35 36 i think maybe even 37 now we've just literally we have the first few weeks we've got someone starting on monday we had someone starting last monday and we had someone starting the monday before and then we've had someone today accept an offer so we're very much hiring at the moment we've got a couple of other positions open so yeah um we're up to sort of the mid 30s count now maybe maybe even pushing 40 soon and um, because again we've got most of those um are, are based here in manchester mm-hmm. uh in the uk and we've we also have um some freelance staff who are based remotely so they work uh, out of uh, the usa um canada um and actually one's just joined us in australia too which is pretty cool and do do you like do you like hiring people internationally or would you prefer people to work in the office with you is there what's the team dynamic like so it's changed a lot since covid uh right now today there's um i'm in the office today so i just tend to about two days a week in the office and three days from home quite like that balance you know it used to be very much monday friday nine to five and everyone would be in the office we had flexi time so but then now we've very much moved to a hybrid model so although most of the team are still here in manchester (laughs) today actually there's only been like four of us in the office so on a busy day there might be like 10 or 12 of us but um certainly not as as busy as it was before um but yeah, I think it's it's kind of given everyone a lot more flexibility. And I think it's taught businesses, including ours, that really you don't necessarily need to hire people on your doorstep to get good results. Mm. We've we've adapted incredibly well as a, a company to going remote. Um, and previous, prior to COVID, I would very much, the, the reason we started hiring overseas was primarily to, to for time zone differences. So especially when it comes to kind of customer service and customer support, when you're running an online business, um, just having a nine to five setup in the UK, because a lot of our clients are in the USA, was pro- proving to be a bit problematic. So we yes. wanted to try and extend our opening hours, if you like. And so that was that was the, the sort of primary focus. That was pre pre lockdown. But since lockdown, we've we've realized for other roles as well, we don't necessarily need to have everyone you know in the office. So, for example, our head of production um, is actually bel- based over in Belfast. Uh, and he manages all the production work that we do for clients. Um, we have uh, a developer who's based down in Bristol, who's um, originally from India. So he's actually back home. Uh, he's gone over to India for a couple of months to stay with, you know, go back to see his family. Um, you know, again, it's not it's not proved to be an issue at all. Um, we actually have someone else in Bristol who's working again within our sort of tech support customer service team. And uh, yeah, it's it's great because I think, when you when you're not limited to hiring, you know, by a, within a certain location, it, it does open up more possibilities. And I think you, you mentioned to me you've just got, had got a new job, right? So yeah, working yeah, for an American uh, company, working for AppSumo, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there you go. There you go. It's it's twenty four twenty four seven service customer service, isn't it? Yeah, and absolutely. It's, it's great to work for a, a software based company, and and that's kind of what space you're in 
So from for for any other startup out there, when they're considering hiring, as we're on this mm-hmm. subject, uh, what kind of advice could you give a, a startup CEO or founder when they're hiring? Yeah, I think to be honest, the first this is this is a question I've been asked before. So the, the my answer to that is. Um, Look at what is if you're a solopreneur, as it's now called, like a, a you know you're a, you're on your own, you haven't got anyone working with you, or maybe you've got a couple of freelance people or something, and you're thinking about doing your first full time sort of proper hire, as, as I'd say, you know, like um, where you're going to have someone on a salary, etc. Mm-hmm. Look at the the thing that is taking up most of your time that is not enabling you to grow the business. Um, so that is the first position you should really hire for as I think as a as a CEO or founder because really th- this was what I did I I hired the first hire I made was was a customer service role back in 2010 and back then I had I don't know maybe 5 or 600 customers something like that and I was like trying to juggle everything you know it was taking an insane amount of my time dealing with customer queries you know sales inquiries uh, technical support issues and stuff like that that was basically most of my day taken up, but then as a result, I didn't have a, I didn't have any ability to sort of focus on the bigger picture because I was mm. so kind of caught up. And by the time I, you know, you want to keep your customers happy, so by the time you've rushed through all the emails and, and dealt with all that stuff, you know, you're then like, okay, we're, we're, what, I've, I've, it's nearly five o'clock, where I don't have energy to, to focus on growing the, the company. So, fo- that's that's the first time you should make is try and you know eliminate the, the the thing that's you know taking up most of your time but not allowing you to grow the business. And that is your almost a weakness. You you want yeah. to focus on your on the actual service that you provide, not the customer service, <laughs> the well, boring, to, the tedious. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really important um, to to keep customers happy, and you want to provide a good level of customer service. But I think at that stage, it was kind of getting to a point where customer service was suffering because I wasn't. I was trying to do too much at once, and I was starting to not really give a very good customer service in certain situations because I was like trying to juggle all this other stuff too. So yeah, I think customer service is really, you know, it's a very, very important part of any business. Um, cause you, if you, if you've got happy customers, you know, it, it ultimately will, um, encourage word of mouth and, yeah. um, you know, good reviews and all that stuff, which is what you want to get to. Cause again, that helps further grow, helps further your growth. But, um, you know, if you're doing, if you you need to make sure you've got adequate re- resource, I think in that that kind of department to, mm-hmm. to kind of encourage to to make sure that happens, basically. Yeah. So on that note, we're talking yeah. about audience growth and uh, customers. What kind of? Uh, I know you're you're in the podcasting world and the radio world, and I see you you're always doing YouTube videos as well. Yeah. Is that is that an important part of marketing and? Uh, using video and podcasting because they are trending at the moment i think for so. audience I mean, growth the first ever youtube video i uploaded was in 2008 and uh at the time youtube was quite a new platform and really at the time it was you know it was a lot of people uploading videos of cats and that sort of stuff so i was like well this you know maybe this could be a good, good tool for my business and the first video i had i didn't really know what to to do so i, I remember uh my friend Steve had a video software company slash production company. So he had a kind of big fancy, like a big camcorder, like one of these big Sony cameras, which is sort of like huge now, you know, <laughs> like looks ridiculous. But this was like 2008. So I was like, Steve, you know, can you can you make me a corporate video? And he was like, yeah. So he was like, just introduce yourself and talk about what the company does. So it's still on YouTube, actually, because it <laughs> I, uh, was my on my, my, my own channel. Um, was originally I had a business at that point called Wave Streaming, and we converted it to James Mulvaney. So that video is still there, and it's just literally me outside my office saying, oh, "Hi, I'm James, and uh, these are our offices, and you know this is what we do." And it's and really like completely bad quality, badly you know when you compare it to the videos these days. Uh, but then I kind of realised, well, actually, maybe we're onto something. And so but rather than just uploading generic stuff, I started kind of giving away tips and information, moving into thinking, right, okay, well, what does my audience want? So they, you know, my audience are radio stations and podcasters. They want to know about, like, what microphone to buy or, you know, how to do SEO to get more listeners or, you know, just stuff like this. So kind of I started then thinking about it more strategically. And then um, probably a couple of years later, I figured out, well, rather than just having tips and stuff, let's have something called a call to action at the end, which was 
completely again changed 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 everything because i was suddenly not only getting views on my videos but then people were actually opting in or going into a page and taking some kind of action and then that makes it easy to turn them to customers of course because you know this stuff is it sounds basic and again i think nowadays people understand this stuff a lot more but back then it was all kind of still quite new and you know i was like there wasn't a kind of hard and fast guide on how to you know create good content for marketing a lot of people were still stuck on like let's write blog posts and things at this point um but you know it still works to this day uh, you know so i still produce videos for the market um both on my own channels and we also have uh content for for radio.co and podcast.co um, we're starting to create more and more content for matchmaker interestingly matchmaker when we built radio.co and podcast.co we focused to, to when we launched those brands we had a, a lot of push on inbound marketing. So that's basically mm-hmm. creating videos and creating written content to, to drive traffic to your website and, and convert that traffic to customers. With Matchmaker, we didn't. We initially just had like a landing page and you had to sign up to use the product and log in. Um, and we actually focused mainly on outbound. So we just did a lot of outreach via email mm-hmm. and LinkedIn and that sort of stuff to, to build the community initially. And we we're only really just starting to look at our inbound strategy. So we kind of did things in reverse with Matchmaker, which is quite interesting. Can you go into a little bit more uh, detail about what you were doing on LinkedIn to get those signups? Very simple. It was, uh, again, LinkedIn, have, they've changed their rules a little bit. So we, you could connect with up to 100, about 100 people a day. Um, now you've now crushed that down to about, I think it's 100, 100 a week or 120 a week. So we, uh, me and a couple of my colleagues, we had um, we used a tool called Octopus CRM, which is nice little sort of browser extension, and basically that that allows you to build like prospect lists on LinkedIn. So you can say we were looking at uh, for Matchmaker at saying find podcasters or or find people who wanted to sort of tell their stories. So it could could have been things like founder CEOs, uh, or it could have been I don't know public speakers, keynote speakers, that sort of stuff. We'd literally just re- reach out to them and say, "Hey, we're building a community. Would you like to join? It's free to come and sign up, and um, you know we'd love to have you, uh, either on the podcaster side of things or on the sort of guest side of things." And then, of course, because quite a lot of people will have both, so they might have a podcast and also have their own profile, as I'm sure you probably do. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah, that that was it. It was just it was just a case of sending a nice message, not just not being too salesy about it, because again, I think the what I find astonishing is the amount of LinkedIn messages I get, which are just super pushy, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just really kind of just like arrogant sales messages and saying, you know, well, we can help you grow your business by this much percent of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, yeah, buzz off. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was just about being kind of, you know, trying a few different variations of messages against testing different, different ways of approaching people, but just, just being cool about it and being like, you know, we think this could really work for you and it's, it doesn't cost you anything. So just, yeah, it worked, worked to treat for us. So we, we were, that was our kind of initial strategy to kind of grow the community. Um, and then once we were at a certain level, we thought, okay, let's open the platform out. So at that stage, we we made it so profiles could get indexed by Google, which obviously means that people can discover shows or discover guests on, on the search engine, which again helps drive signups to our platform. <laughs> but to begin with, because obviously we were kind of launching from a, a very small community, we, we, we didn't want to have it sort of public because we wanted people to sign up and if if they sort of could log in with if they could browse the directory or see people without signing up you know obviously we we were kind of conscious that they might to begin with you have to face that problem you know no one wants to join a a site where there's no one on it Uh, yeah (laughs) so so that's quite a quite a difficult challenge initially to get around but uh, that was that was our approach and it it worked pretty well and we're up to now 40 just about to hit forty thousand users which is really cool yeah, uh, I really like the platform, and uh, it was introduced to me by a fellow podcaster who's he's crushing it. Uh, yeah, feel better. I think I'm going to definitely refer him over to you. But <laughs> he he's kind of given he's almost like an executive producer. He's given me some tips on how to create a better podcast and nice. uh, how to get high quality guests. But he said, use Matchmaker. You you won't find a low quality guest, and they won't spam you with. Uh, messages and a lot of the times uh, when I first started using Matchmaker that I was reaching out and saying oh you you have this particular expertise that I'd like to talk to you about but now I'm getting a lot of 
the other way, a lot of people requesting to be on the podcast. And I That's like right. that you can customize the bio with videos and uh, you're yeah. adding loads of different... Um, you've even created this new thing where you can block people if you wanted, but I haven't yeah. ever received a, a spammy <laughs> message or anything. So that's, I don't know if it's that's good. something I'm glad, to do I'm glad to back. hear that, Chris. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, it's one of these features that when we launched, we never really thought we'd have to add, but you know, it's just, it's one of these things you scale up any kind of community or, or it's almost like a little mini social network, isn't it? Where unfortunately you do end up with situations where people are trying to use it for things they shouldn't and abuse it. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, we've we've had uh, we have had a few situations where people were. It's nothing like too treacherous, like you know some of the stuff you see on Twitter's horrendous, you know. But it is just kind of like people like you know just trying to sell stuff or or yeah. just be, not really using it for its intended purpose, which is kind of like we want to try and keep it as a a good you know valuable resource, and we don't want to go down the spam hole route. So we kind of thought probably a good time if we can introduce these features now. Because it, we have noticed sort of a few cases of it happening, you know, it will help sort of crush down uh, that that issue before mm -hmm. it becomes, you know, when we sort of hit hundred thousand or we get to, uh, you know, five hundred thousand users. That's when you'll definitely start having more and more of that happening. So, yeah. But in terms of in terms of the, the features we're adding, it's it's about uh, not just the not obviously just we don't want to just focus too much on that. We want to we want to focus on building value for the users too. So. One of the things that's coming out very, very soon is um, a community feature. So currently Matchmaker is very one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. which is great. You know, you can contact someone, you know, but we want to try and open the community up and make it more sort of a kind of a collaborative space. Uh, yeah. So without giving too much away, watch this space. So I think it, I think we've yeah, already mentioned cool. it in, in an email, but uh, yeah, we, I'm hoping we're going to have that live pretty soon. I think before Christmas it should be live, which should be very exciting. Uh, I think that would be great as well, especially for if you've had a great interview with somebody, yeah. then you can just create a group and refer people to one another. And yep. yeah, so uh, I like that. That's cool. Um, what a, When I added a support ticket as well, just to query about something, it was instant. So, And they, they said, well, yeah, actually, you can do that already. <laughs> the, oh, the, right. the, little, the little dot or the little eye by the profile is you can click on it and you can see the full profile. Uh, I did, didn't work that out, and I had to go back to the home page. And but when when I did the support ticket, they said no, you can do that. So that's really great feedback and customer service. Uh, yeah. So um, I've paused there. <laughs> so so um, when you when you mentioned people sign up to the to the, to the platform for yeah. any other software as a service company would you recommend you start with a a, a free a free service first and then <clears throat> see what the customers want and then because i know you have got the pro version yeah um it's an interesting one so like traditionally with radio.co we've always had paid plans we've never had a free plan i really think it depends on the product and the market and the, it, i don't think there's any hard and fast answer for that i think it just depends on what you're trying to create and mm -hmm. You know, ultimately, if, if we didn't uh, for the first year, maybe, or at least, at least the first six or eight months of Matchmaker, we did we had literally zero way, zero monetization built in. We didn't. I don't think we even really had a plan of how we were going to monetize it. Um, initially, we we kind of just wanted to kind of first of all create a good, useful community and and focus solely on that. We're in a lucky position because we already had a podcasting business. So that sort of supported Matchmaker for the first sort of uh, six, eight months. And again, we, we we launched initially like a very sort of simple MVP. We didn't have a team working on it. Uh, it was it was um, one of our developers who had not long been at the company. And we sort, sort of thought, let's give him the opportunity to work on this. So he, mm -hmm. he was the sole developer working on the platform initially, and he kind of created the first version of it. We've got a few more developers who are sort of working on features now um but at the beginning that was that was how we did it we sort of and bef before we actually launched the platform we we verified the market by creating a couple of landing pages on podcast.co with some google forms on so um we hadn't spent nothing on that we but we knew that there was a demand for this solution before we launched it so when we kind of launched it we knew 
that um, monetization was okay to come later. It didn't really have to have a plan straight out the you know uh, when we first kind of went live. Um, and I think it was September October last year when we we then turned on the pro plan. And another tip, really, but before that, um, kind of taking a leaf out of AppSumo's book, really, is we we'd done an AppSumo deal on Podcast.co. Um, which which was fine um we but, thought let's try and and sort of mimic that effect with matchmaker because we already had quite an engaged audience by that point so previous to the pro plan i think it was august last year we we did a, a lifetime deal just to our existing customers so we have what we call founder plan so we basically said, yeah you can become a founder of matchmaker you pay a one one-time fee it's going to help us out in terms of like keeping the light switched on it's going to help us out in terms of developing the product and moving it forward and you know in return you you pay a, a fixed amount and you get you get pro access forever yeah um, and users responded really well to that we did limit it we didn't want to have you know we wanted it to be sort of relatively exclusive so i think we had maximum of, it was either two or three hundred uh founder plans available and what we did is we had it as a, the first 50 people paid this much and then we put the price up uh, for every you know so, th- so that's another thing to do and that was really good because that was almost like raising kind of a small sort of seed round as a software company <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> but but allowing our users to, to to fund that so it was almost mm-hmm. it wasn't quite like a kickstarter campaign but yeah it, it's it was an idea that i had one day i literally threw together a landing page we didn't really even have an idea of what the pro plan was going to be at this point but we just sort of said, okay, well, it's coming soon. We're going to sort of ask people to start paying uh, for the platform. So if you want to get in early, you know, you can get lifetime access, and it and it people responded really well. So that you know, that's another thing that you could you could look at doing if you sort of start off free, just to grow an audience. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you've got to start paying the bills at some point, you know, <laughs> or you've got to pay your pay your staff's wages. So it's it's like it's all very well like if you build something on your own and you kind of just do it as a side hustle, and you think, oh, it's can be free that's great but then you've got to think at some stage well how are we going to make some money from this yeah. uh, as, as much as it's nice to just have everything for free but it can't always doesn't always work you know yeah that's really interesting and um it's great that you've looked at different they're not absolutely aren't necessarily a competition but they are a SaaS company as well yeah, well, it was just it's just the idea of just doing like a lifetime deal you know because people respond well to that and they like the fact that they can pay once and they can get access to a piece of software forever um so so that was that that's basically what we did with our sort of founder plan on matchmaker and and how are you currently um trying to grow matchmaker what's the vision for the for the next few months so we as i say we the, the the main thing we're focusing on is the, the community aspect um that's kind of the big the next big feature which we're releasing um this year we've added various different things such as we added a booking facility um you know we've we've had we've rolled out our mobile apps which are going to have been useful to you know help people grow you know uh so people look sort of more engaged in it because they can kind of get notified notified into their pockets versus just emails uh we've added recommendations and all these sort of things so yeah we've we've added a fair few things this year as i say next year is going to be the community focus on that and again we're going to have another challenge because we want to try and grow that and create a really engaged community um moving forward i don't we, there's various different ideas which are floating around i don't know how many i want to talk about on here but uh <laughs> you know it's uh you know so i don't want to give too much away but yeah there's i think it's um i think it's quite exciting there's certainly kind of quite a lot of opportunities that we've identified which i think you know we'll, we'll sort of tap into and sort of see what what take what you know where the next year where the next year takes us i think it's going to be exciting and i think seeing this community evolve is is been really satisfying for me as an entrepreneur like even even last year when we didn't have any monetization you know and it was just the amount of feedback i got like was just hugely rewarding for me it was like people kind of contacted me saying you know wow i've signed up and i've already been booked on five podcasts or yeah uh you know i've, I've created a show and I've, I've been struggling for good finding a good guest and i've just interviewed someone who's just been to space or you know whatever something really interesting someone really interesting who's done x y and z and I, you know that to me was like wow I, I you know i've created this and this is something that's yeah. kind of uh you know people are really, really getting value from even though we weren't making any money from it and that was just very exciting to begin with so i think um things are only going to get better oh uh, yeah i think when people look from the outside in and they go okay matchmaker is a great platform but then you just said maybe mm. like nine months ago you weren't you didn't have any 
uh, monetary or any revenue at all. Yeah. Uh, so, so for somebody that would probably like to create a startup in the future, and mm. for other people that are listening now, what kind of advice would you give them? Would you recommend they start uh, looking at into SaaS companies, or is is that the future? I don't know because we, you know, traditionally I've always built SaaS businesses. Um, Matchmaker is, I suppose it's still kind of software as a service. However, it's more community focused. So it's a little bit different to the sorts of businesses I've traditionally run. We're also um, doing more and more production work. So we're, we're kind of creating, an, uh, there's an agency that lives within podcast.co, which mm-hmm. again, um, we are spitting out as a sort of separate brand next year. But currently, podcast.co, it's the hosting platform for podcasts, but also we have, a, as I say, a, an agency, a production arm that creates podcasts for brands and that sort of thing. So, um, again, it's a different model to software as a service. Um, I think if someone's, if, if you're an entrepreneur, but then again, like you hear lots of success stories in e-com now, like people starting mm-hmm. e-commerce stores, selling all sorts of weird and wonderful like niche items and doing really well. I, I, that's what that's a world that I have no no idea about. You know, I don't understand much about um, e-commerce or you know how to source products from China and find the next kind of unicorn or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> you know, build these Shopify stores and and have all these Instagram ads that kind of and sell like crazy. You know, like I uh, what a, a friend of my brother he had a company and they uh, they did a a campaign like selling customized socks. I think it was like the year before last at Christmas and they I think they made like nine hundred grand over a period of like a month just selling these socks where, for people could have their face printed on them or something so <laughs> or it was like the the pet, pet socks i think that's their picture of their dogs printed on the socks or something like that anyway and i was like oh my god you know it's just an insane amount of money to to make selling socks isn't it but yeah <laughs> i guess everyone needs to wear socks right and people like to buy novelty gifts for christmas so they kind of you put the two and two together and you've got this sort of magic formula but yeah that's a that's a world that i i find fascinating but i don't really have any knowledge about so but then i don't know for some people who are going and uh, thinking about starting a business they might resonate more with you know physical products or you know, actual things that you can sell versus creating software because to create a software product, I think you've got to uh, you've got to have it, it's quite involved. And certainly, in the early days, I, I learned to code to a basic level. I was never amazing, but I could kind of put together a web database driven site, and uh, you know, I could just about build a, a kind of like a web web product or web app. Um, which which because I, because I did that, I understand how you build and create software solutions. Whereas mm-hmm. someone who hasn't had that experience you know it, it, it can be a bit of a minefield right and and certainly now more than ever um developers are in high demand and um you know it's it, development to, to build a really good quality web product now is is quite complex and quite an involved process it's not just a case of like you know back then i could get away with just writing a load of php and just slinging something together in a couple of days and i think you've got to you've got to do better than that now really mm-hmm. if you want to make a success of something and also you know you've got to think about things like security concerns and um look at uh basically just making sure that you know you, you're delivering something that's not going to go down like so cloud-based solutions and all that kind of thing um where you know when i started out that none of that really existed or you know you didn't really think about it but um certainly scale scaling uh, radio.co for example was, was a huge challenge when we launched it it was like it was something that kind of really took a a lot of work to, to kind of get it to where it's at and but it's you know it's solid but it did, has to deal with an insane amount of traffic going through going through it and you know it was it was a, a real because uh, we that company grew quite quickly it was kind of quite a challenge to begin with how, learning how to scale it also there's lots of things to consider when you're building software but then as i say if you could set up a shopify store and just find a product that's novelty that people want to buy to me that sounds simple (laughs) so it's different things for people i don't i don't think there's a simple answer to like what someone should do if they're first thinking about starting Mm -hmm. a business it's just and then again some people now like it's very popular Uh, a lot of people going into like coaching and consulting and all that kind of stuff uh which certainly if you've you know, if you've got a lot of experience doing a particular thing, that could be that could be something to consider as well. Because if you're going into consulting or coaching, it's you don't really need anything but yourself and some knowledge about a particular thing, which can be you know particularly valuable to some other people. But again, it's just about identifying that audience. Yeah, isn't it? but but then it 
comes the issue of how do you scale a coaching business if it's just yourself yeah uh, and then having maybe a software and some systems in place then you can scale your efforts and your outputs yeah so yeah i guess i guess scaling coaching is is a case of just charging more you know getting a bit yeah. for yourself and, <laughs> and becoming really in demand I, I think that's probably what what it boils down to but you're right it's uh there's there are i suppose there are a good examples of coaching businesses that have, i suppose they franchise like mm. um there are kind of a few different things there's like one called action coach which i must admit i'm not a huge fan of but uh i've had some years ago i had some dealings with someone who was under the action coach brand but basically they they have a franchise model where they have lots and lots of people who work within that com you know within the sort of the mm -hmm. wider arm of um you know love it or hate it it's it, it, you know it's obviously a very big and successful company um pretty sure there's probably others as well you know but I, it's not again it's not something i know a huge deal about <laughs> so you'd would you recommend someone i get you know find a problem a common problem or not necessarily it's, a common yeah, problem just, yeah it's just it's about a, finding a market demand you know for a product and, and trying to it's either about solving a problem or just finding that the, there's a demand there and being able to pitch a good a good product to people and packaging it in a way that's appealing and yeah again i don't think there's um i've had some businesses that have worked over the years and i've had other businesses that haven't worked out you know that's what happens as an entrepreneur you yeah sometimes you take risks they don't pay off and sometimes you risk take risks and they do pay off and sometimes you take risks and it's sort of they, you know they're just in the middle somewhere so it's like <laughs> you, you know I, I think it's like uh you wish i wish you could predict every single time you launch a business that it's going to be a huge success but i don't think that's always it's not as always as easy as that and i think sometimes there's a little yeah. bit of luck involved too you know yeah knows. yeah you've got it you've you've created you create your own luck uh, to a certain yeah. extent yeah, yeah yeah but then i think you know you can you you set yourself up so when if luck comes your way, you, you're primed to take advantage of it. So like when I the first the first time when I when I was pretty young, I was like 23, I, I managed to get a deal with um, AOL, which was like the the point. There was a turning point in my business where I was like went from me, me earning a living to suddenly I had a business and started you know making quite a few hires and things started you know, making pr profit basically uh, and 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 doing doing well out of it. And that was just a sort of like a, a you know, a, 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 turning a positive, point. yeah, turning point in my career, which I, I couldn't preempt. It just came along one day, but I was already, I was in the right industry. So when that, that came my way, I was, I was, I was there to sort of make sure I kind of could take advantage of it and, and, and did, did really well out of it. So, but then again, as fast as that deal came, it also like two years later vanished. So then I had to sort of think, right, okay, what's next? So it's kind of like, it's one of these things, um, you can't always sort of you can't always see where things are going but then it you know for, as as well it did teach me that there was more opportunity than perhaps i first thought in that particular market so there we go so what what kind of mindset do um you know future entrepreneurs need um mm. i think uh it's a good question isn't it i personally i reckon you need to be um very sort of determined um and you need to be prepared to take a few knocks along the way. Uh, you need to be prepared to work very hard, especially to start off with, you know, put in the hours. I remember like when I started out, sometimes I was working till like 11 o'clock at night, that kind of stuff. I remember we sat there on Christmas Eve in front of my computer, writing code back in the late 2000s, you know, when I was, when my, you know, everyone, everyone else was out getting pissed or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, it, you, you've got to take some sacrifices sometimes when you, especially when you're starting, you know, and, um, but yeah, I think sort of determination and, and drive, I think is incredibly important because the thing is, you know, there's too many people who will think, oh, I've got a brilliant, brilliant idea. I'm going to start this. I'm going to do, do really well. And then they just don't see it through. It's like, they'll sort of make a half-assed attempt at kind of creating something or building a website and, uh, you know, and then it's just like they'll, they sort of things don't always happen overnight. You know, you've got to sometimes work at it and be persistent, um, so I think that's it. Persistence is key, really. Yeah, great. Um, I know I, we've talked a little bit about tech and startups, but not mm. that much about podcasting. And I know we don't have too much time today. So <laughs> do you like this podcast and yeah. how can I improve it? <laughs> what do we want to talk about podcasting? I mean, this is the thing. I think it's like yeah. podcasting is another thing. You know, people are always asking me, oh, is it, is it too late to start a podcast or is, it, is now a good time? Well, I think... Um, 
I think podcasting is a fantastic storytelling medium. I think it's never been easier to create one because there's so many tools and features and uh, services like podcast or matchmaker, but also like just the, the hardware available, <coughs> excuse me, to create good audio. You know, when I, uh, sort of 10 years ago, you had to spend quite a lot of money. You don't really now. You can go out and buy a good quality USB microphone and, you know, set something up at home for a relatively, you know, little expense that sounds good. Yeah. And and so that's that's fantastic. I think that's opened the opportunity up. And I, and I think people are more, more aware of the medium as a whole because of, I think that's partly been driven by the amount of celebrities that are now involved. So, you know, like when, you know, famous comedian or sports stars like get involved in podcasting, it kind of just makes more people a wider selection of the, the general population aware as to what podcasting is and the benefits it could bring. And they might start listening to, you know, whatever famous footballer or a comedian that they like, but then they might say, oh, there's all these other podcasts that maybe aren't by people who are very well known that are also really interesting and good listens. So that's been part of the, the sort of growth. And I think, has, has helped um, kind of cement a really good audience, widespread audience for the, for, for the medium. I um, think, you know, interviewing people is, is always fascinating, isn't it? You know, you mentioned, is this podcast good? Well, yeah, <laughs> I guess the listeners need to be the judge of that. But yes. if, you, if you're um, curating a good selection of, of people to talk to, have got interesting things to say, I think it's kind of, it makes making content pretty easy. And, you know, again, it, it's weird because I've been both the host and a guest on lots of podcasts, various different ones. I mean, obviously, we produce a number of podcasts on behalf of other clients as well. And people always ask me, you know, is it, is it easy, easier being a guest or a host? Um, and I'm not sure if I have a clear answer because I kind of enjoy both, actually. But I think sometimes when you're a guest, you know, they ask questions and you just naturally have the answers. But then sometimes as a host, you have to think a bit harder about what you're going to ask. <coughs> so beforehand because you can't really come up with a question well you can come up with a question but you you want you i want to stay in as engaged as possible during your answer and then yeah but then again it's it, diff- different people have so, so like some people will just literally ask guests the same set of questions each time um well i don't think that's necessarily the best approach i think it should be more of a conversation than an interview that's always what, <laughs> what people say you know yeah, I think this my skill has evolved over time just for, for doing it. It was stick to some basic questions, but yeah. everybody's got so many different stories and different things to share and different experiences. And it's not one size fits all. So it's interesting to, to talk to you about tech and startups and podcasts and to talk to somebody else about PR and um startups from that perspective yeah marketing so, well, yeah yeah it's really interesting so from a podcast standpoint what are you doing or um i know you're using video and but mm. how do you engage the audience and or what kind of tips would you recommend i do to you know connect with my listeners because it's it's hard to find that information yeah i think um not enough podcasters uh try like you, you've got to try and figure out who your listeners are, and I think the, the easiest way of doing that is building a newsletter. You know, getting people to subscribe. So, um, send them to a website and send them to a website that's easy to read in your podcast. If it's like some really long domain, blah 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 slash blah blah blah, it can be confusing for people. So try and just get like a nice short, snappy domain that you can read out and read it out several times for, throughout the episode. Just send people to a simple page where they can kind of get some incentive for signing up. So it might be they get access to a bonus feature or bonus episode or you know the back catalog or whatever it might be um and start kind of learning about who your audience are and get them you know another thing a lot of podcasters do is just just get an email that people can sort of engage with the show right in you know uh again like it's come it because it's become a bit of a cliche with the podcasts asking for five star reviews all the time on yeah but actually that's not really it's not really getting engaged is it it's just kind of asking it's just nagging people you know, no one wants to be nagged. So just uh, give people a reason to get in touch. I kind of think it would be good. And Spotify is starting to do this, but it's very much tied into their ecosystem with Spotify and Anchor and everything where they, um, if your podcast hosted on Anchor and you're publishing on, on Spotify, you can now run polls and um, ask me anything things. But it's just like, again, it's just kind of Spotify trying to, own the whole market which i think is a great <laughs> shame i think 
the good thing about podcasting is it's not limited to one com- one sort of company. You know, like YouTube have got the monopoly with the video sort of market. Really, there's a few others out there, but YouTube are basically it, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it, it, I think it's a shame if it's going to go that way with podcasts. I think it's good that it's like sort of evenly spread out. But yeah, so I think you've got to try to think of ways around that. The fact that you can't say comment on this episode because it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get them to, to sign up to a mailing list, get them to send you an email, get them to chat to you on social media. That's all, that's all I could say, really. There's no magic formula to make yeah. podcast. <laughs> I wish there do was. You, yeah, do you think a lot of podcasters that are starting out um overcomplicate the whole process of building an audience and um i'm not sure if they ever complicate it i think there's there's too there's like there's too many people who don't go very far because they sort of think the audience is going to happen overnight or they don't really have a strategy of how to build an audience or they just kind of think about like the first two episodes and then they don't think about what they're going to be recording in episode three and the best thing to do is to try and manage it in season so like you know you said this is season two for you um you you sometimes you need a break to sort of step, take a step back and think right okay should i change anything what did I, what worked what didn't work you know uh, am i happy with the format um could it be improved and just try and make each season better than the last uh, but then mm-hmm. also like you know just to avoid burnout because um i think i mentioned uh either just before the call or at the start of this i had i did a, a live stream called working lunch last year and, um, you know, I did that in two seasons, but they were, each season was quite long. It felt like three months or something I was doing each one for. And it was like every single Wednesday went live. And it just like after the, the sort of year was up, I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. much longer. <laughs> but, just, but, you know, because you have to, it was every single week. So you kind of like, if you're recording them in advance, and if you do them in batches, it kind of makes the process a bit more manageable, I think. Yeah, I agree there. Mm. Uh, that's, that's why I did that a lot in a short period of time. So I had a lot for a long period of time um and i did take a month break maybe yeah. i should have taken longer but it's because it's uh new to me uh, the yeah. skill is the skill needs to be learned through yeah. practice so i can't um do do a lot in a short period of time and then do none for the next year it's 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 got to be a balance and you don't want to burn yourself out you want to get great guests or, or find great guests and yeah. yeah i completely agree i think you know you, you you're totally right in saying that you know it's good to take a break and you don't want to burn yourself out and also practice makes perfect you can't be the perfect interviewer or the perfect guest to, from the outset you know you, sometimes you just have to work at these things and it's just like anything in life isn't it you know i think some again some people are more it comes more naturally to some people than others but i think anyone could have a go at it that's the great thing about it you know yeah, really inexpensive. And if you use uh, Matchmaker to find great guests like myself and James, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking for if anybody wants to interview me, uh, I've only been on one podcast. So if you want to interview me, then you could email me at talkingwithexpertspod at gmail.com. And that's the there best way to get a hold of me. <laughs> well, I might as well use your advice. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so is there, is there anything that maybe you wanted to share today that I haven't asked you that would be helpful for somebody in the tech space, startup space or in the podcasting world? I don't know. I think we've covered a lot, haven't we? Um, no, I mean, I just, uh, thanks very much for having me on. I, I, if, uh, if, if, if they, people are interested in getting involved in podcasts, sometimes being a guest is a, if you've got, especially if you've got knowledge, if you, you know, want to talk about what you do as a profession or you want to talk about something you're really passionate about, it could be that you like model trains or it could be that you like golf or whatever, you know, uh, you can, you know, there'll be a podcast for you out there to, to, to go and talk about your experiences with whatever, whatever you want to talk about. So it doesn't have to just necessarily be your business and work focused. Um, but yeah, that could be sometimes a great way of getting involved without having to actually fully commit to starting your own show. So um, go and sign up to Matchmaker. Just talk about what you're passionate about on there. Um, make sure you complete a profile. Don't just put like, hi, I'm James and you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Try and give people a bit to go off. Because again, that's one of those things I see when I see people sign up to Matchmaker and it's like two sentences. You're like, oh. Nah. so you know you know try and give people a bit to go off or, or give them some ideas of the sorts of things you could go and talk or talk about um you know it's free to join and it's it's really kind of exciting to exciting i think you know sometimes it's intimidating for people to begin with they're scared of kind of going behind the microphone or on camera but 
um really it's just like having a conversation like you would with someone you know if you get chatting in a, a conference or a <laughs> coffee shop or wherever you know it's just that's all it is it's just just, just a conversation so there's nothing uh, really to be scared about and I think as well, before this, before we actually pressed live, I was super freaking out because, you know, we, we, <laughs> well, you're, you're James and <laughs> you've got a few startups and a few companies. So it was a bit intimidating, but you know, that it's okay to feel like, yeah. um, nervous and nervousness is actually a good thing. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. It you, keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? I, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes, um, I've done so many interviews now. I don't tend to get too nervous there, but there are sometimes occasions, you know, sometimes you do, you have a day where you just feel a little bit like anxious about it or, um, you know, suddenly there's a lot of pressure on you. Certainly, you know, the more you do it, the better, the more comfortable you become in, in, in doing, in, in podcasting or, or interviewing whatever side of the fence you're sitting on, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I think for, for me, I find it really fun. And I, as I say, like I, I've had people when I did my live stream last year, some people were really put off with the fact it's live. They were like, yeah, if it was recorded, I'd be fine, but I don't want to do it because it's live. And it's like, okay, fair enough. But, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, for me, that keeps me on my toes. <laughs> it's quite exciting, the fact you can't really mess up. <laughs> well, you can, you can extremely mess it up. But, but... You're, not, you're not supposed to mess it up anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I hope we haven't messed it up today. And I is that what I think we've done all right? <laughs> yeah, we've done all right. Yeah. So, is there like a huge lesson you want people to leave with uh, with this episode? Uh, I don't know, really. Uh, lesson uh, is, uh, yeah, go if you want to well i'll tell you what i'll just leave with this if you want to connect with me or if you want to go and check anything out that i'm doing um if you go to jamesm.com slash connect um you'll find all the links on there uh so you know that's where people can find out more information there's one lesson i guess just go go out there and do what you want Prob- to do there yeah we go. that's great yeah perfect yeah <laughs> awesome thank you james thank you for your time it no was problem. it was great to have you on and um i'll speak to you again very soon thanks for having me on chris now that was the best way to kick off season two of Talking With Experts podcast. It has been Chris Cowden and thank you James for joining me and just sharing your insight into how you ran or are running four different businesses at the same time. It's been really fascinating to to know what it really takes to build one and you've really inspired me and I hope you've inspired some of our listeners as well. So if you do want to get more information from James, then go to jamesm.com forward slash connect. Or you can join our podcast launch community, which is a growing community of budding entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, podcasters, and serial founders. Most of the experts that have been on the podcast are also featured in this podcast launch community. So if you want to join that, go to talkingwithexpertspod.com forward slash community. I'll see you in there. and. You're, we've got another expert lined up for you who has a serious business that you want to know about. So I'll speak to you soon and I'll see you next week.